the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks. Welcome to Yak Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by San Diego Propane. If you live out in East County and you're in the need of propane, well, you can't get a better deal than with SD-Propane.com. Only problem is that's all they deal with is East County. So if you live in the middle of El Cajon or La Mesa, it's not going to work. And I tell you, the customer service is the best I've ever seen. Call them at 619-460-1705 or go to sd-propane.com and thank them for sponsoring this radio show. Also, West Escondido Auto and Trans, four locations, Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA approved. Nobody takes care of you better than Brian, plus he has a show Saturday morning. You need to check it out right here on KCBQ. All right, Andy and Mercedes Lilenthal are getting ready to hit the Alcan 5000 this year. They're in a uh, Subaru wilderness. Take a listen. Well, have I got a couple adventurous on the line, folks. We got Andy and Mercedes Lewenthal, and they are going to go run the 2022 Alcan 5000. Is that correct, guys? You got it. Is. Wow. Now, you guys, this is not your first rodeo. You've done this how many times? This will actually be our second one. We did the 2020 Alcan 5000, which was the winter version, and the 2022 is the summer version. They do it kind of like the Olympics, where every two years is a summer, then every two years uh, is a winter. Oh, okay. I got it. Now, for folks that maybe are not aware of this race, kind of give us a little idea what it, what it's going to entail. So the Alcan 5000 rally uh, started way back in the early 80s uh, by the gentleman of the name of uh, Jerry Hines. And it's usually a 5,000-plus mile rally. It's a road rally that includes many time, speed, and distance rallies, like sub-rallies within it. So you'll have a little challenge rally at the beginning, then you'll have a couple hundred miles of transit, and then you have maybe another TSC rally at the end of each day, and it's typically 10 days long. So not only are you rallying 5,000-plus total miles, you've got about 30, 40 other teams, whether they're vehicles and or motorcycles, like adventure bikes. Um, but it's, it's a great, great fun time. Yeah, it's over 10 days, so you're making miles each day. Yes, you have to. <laughs> And, and every night you stay at a five-star hotel, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, room service, turn-down service. Along, along with interior paneling and uh, 1970s decor. Yeah. But we wouldn't want to have it any other way. No, I have a feeling. So what are you guys driving? Uh, this year we're actually partnering with Subaru of America and driving a new Outback Wilderness. I've got one right now. Is that the coolest car or what? Right? That's great. I I saw that. I saw that. I was like, oh, you got one before we do. <laughs> but 
But it's, yeah, it'll it'll be a great vehicle. It's got nine and a half inches of ground clearance. It's a two point four liter turbocharged boxer engine. It'll have a what about two hundred sixty two sixty horse for horsepower. So yeah, this 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 will be a nice little um, fun car. And it gets decent fuel mileage. It gets almost not quite. It gets up almost to thirty. Now, granted, you're not gonna. That's not your concern. You know, trying to uh, you know get a fuel mileage run, but. It's and it's got a nice big nav screen. I don't, are you allowed to use any modern technology? Because I know these rally guys are crazy. <laughs> um, yes and no. Uh, on the transit sections, after you do the TSD, you can use a you can use a GPS to make sure you know where the next hotel stop's going to be. But during the actual time speed distance rally itself, you don't use the the computerized navigation. It, it depends on what class you run. We're just going to run what is called SOP or seat of pants. So essentially, it's you fly by the seat of your pants, right? So we'll have just a stock auto that's on the on the vehicle itself, and, and we'll let it run that way. Um, but getting back to fuel economy, you know, it's one of those things where it's 5,000-plus miles, but they said it's going to be about 30% or so dirt and gravel. Well, if you think about that, over 5,000 miles, that could be up to 1,500 to 2,000 miles of dirt and gravel in remote parts of Canada. We can't wait. Wow, you are going to have so much fun. So, with that being said, I mean, once you get out into the into the backcountry, you basically are on your own. I know you're going to have a sat phone in the event something was to happen, and you'll have people at checkpoints. Now, do you meet up every night, uh, kind of like a bivouac, or are you on your own? Yeah, we we meet up every night. There is a a, a hotel each night that we do stay at. It is definitely not necessarily a five-star hotel. Some of them are better than others. But, uh, uh, yeah, we all meet up at the same place. They also have a sweeps team, so you don't, you, you can't get behind the sweeps team. There will be a number of people that are going, kind of making sure everybody makes it in. Uh, you know, everybody is always checked in and present and accounted for. And, you know, they're, they're – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I just was going to say with the sweeps team, they're an awesome, awesome team. I mean, they, you know, in, in winter, almost everybody ditch dove at least once, you know, because you're just riding on or driving on ice and snow. But, you know, they have the proper recovery gear. They've got all of the medical equipment, um, you know, and they're they're really, really well-versed in seasoned rally uh, sweeps teams people. So um, hats off to them and, and all the rally organizers because the biggest thing is to keep everybody safe. Right. Well, that's always the ultimate. Now, do they put transponders in your cars so they can keep track of you in the event you go left instead of right? Yeah, I think that they do have a, a like a tracking system where people can follow along, like a spot type system. Um, you know, we will have probably our Garmin in reach uh, with us as well. We've got a little GPS map 66i thing for hiking and whatnot. We might just throw that up on top too, just in case for emergencies. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, people are connected with communication. So whether it's CB or race radios, like our rugged radios um, that we have, uh, you know, people are connected with buddy cars, and then also there's an emergency channel. So uh, this rally is fully prepared, excuse me, for uh, communications. I will so, say one nice thing about the about the summer one is you don't have to worry about maybe like surviving in forty below weather. So polar bears. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, and I was just going to ask you that. <clears throat> excuse me. Is what are the major differences between the winter race and the summer not race rally, other than weather, or is that it? 
Well, the terrain will be quite a bit different. So whereas you, when you on the winter Alcan, I would say maybe 65 to if not 75% of the roads were 100% covered in snow and ice once you got north of about um about for, uh, Fort Prince George. Yeah. yeah. And and so I mean you were always on the ice and snow. I remember specifically when our buddy car who had a Jeep Wrangler specifically called out on the way back said, I'm just making an announcement. We are officially above zero for the first time in like a week and a half. <laughs> and so um, so the roads this time will actually be, a, you know, bare pavement and then a lot of, of gravel and dirt. And I've been told uh, that it's actually can be a little bit of a rougher, a rougher ride and more more flat tires during the summer than the winter because – the winter one, the road is actually a little bit more forgiving with the snow and the ice right. versus potholes and, and, and rock and gravel. And as far yeah. as the rally route as far as the rally route's concerned, it's a completely different route. Last year we or I'm sorry, twenty twenty we did the winter one which was uh started near Seattle, went all the way up to the Arctic Ocean and beyond. We did Andy and I did all the uh optional extreme uh challenges as they call them or extreme controls and we went uh uh, what was it, 146 miles of legitimate ice road, and uh, back down, back down a white horse over to Fairbanks, up to Coldfoot, back down to Fairbanks, and ended in Anchorage. Well, this year is completely different. We start from the same town near Seattle, but we go into Canada, and we go via Quinnell, Telegraph Creek, White Horse, Dawson City. Dawson is as far north as we go. Right. So yeah. it's not Arctic Ocean this time, but it's up to Dawson City, over to Skagway, Yellowknife, and then we eventually finish in Jasper if all goes well. See, now, you, when you went into Alaska, that's exactly where I just came back from. Unbelievable. And no mosquitoes. I had oh. no Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? Maybe three or four. It was mind-boggling. So, wow. What do you now? What do you? I mean, I'm sure you guys pack up, you know, energy sacks and, and what have you for the day trip, and then they'll feed you at night and in the morning. <laughs> well, it it kind of depends. You're you're typically sort of on your own. Some mornings there's a breakfast, um, but you're kind of on your own. When we did yeah. the winter one, and we did it in a in a 1991 Mitsubishi uh, Japanese domestic market four-wheel drive. It was slow and diesel-powered. We were also one of the last people to start the event just because of the way we registered. We would get in at night, and sometimes the restaurants were closed. So it was like granola bars and beef jerky for dinner. Uh, or freeze-dried mountain houses. Or freeze-dried mountain houses. So um, we'll have to see. We'll be starting mid-path this year, so we won't be the last people out. We'll also be in a, in a much faster vehicle. This has a, a 160. 60 horsepower, more than the vehicle we had last time. So hopefully we'll be in before the dinner bell rings. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Yak Radio with Dave Saw. Would that sound like a fun event or what? This is uh, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer, and this segment's brought to you by South Bay Auto House. If you've got a, looking for a used Mercedes-Benz, go to Auto House. You'll get nothing but top quality. Vehicles are highly inspected. They've been working on Mercedes-Benz for over 25 years, plus it's a great alternative to the dealer. Uh, they have their own parts department, factory-trained technicians. I mean, nobody does it better than South Bay. Uh Rick and uh, Gary have been in the business for more years than I care to admit. 
and they have a complete line of pre-owned Mercedes-Benz for you to look at. And if you're thinking about trading one in, let them see it first. Might give you even more money. All right. Well, my good buddy Tom Cotter is writing another book, and I just finished reading it, and I'm just going to let you listen to Tom because it is amazing. Well, folks, you all know my favorite, favorite, favorite artist on the or author on the planet is Tom Cotter, and he just came out with another book. And I know Father's Day is right around the corner. You can still get his book for a nice Father's Day gift. So I've asked him to give me a call so uh, we can chat about it. Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. So, how many barn find books have you written so far? Well, you just happen to ask the right question because I have them lined up here. So let me see. I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This is the eleventh. Wow! <laughs> and you know, folks, just so you'll know, they're all different. Uh, there's different stories in every book, and if somebody in the family don't even really have to be a car guy or a car girl to appreciate the stories uh, because they're true to form. And one thing Tom tries not to do, and that is when he finds beautiful cars, he tries not to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and another thing I try not to do is become overly technical. The biggest uh, the, 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 the biggest compliment I can get is when, you know, I meet a guy and he says, oh, I love your book, and then his wife comes over and she says, you know what? I love your book, too, because it was a human interest story. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And you hit it right on the head. And, you know, you give some really, really, really good tips for for, uh, folks that really like to go out and look for classic cars, cars in the barn. And, And I think the key is don't go out there wanting to buy the car. Go out there to find the car. And that wrecking yard in this book that you uh, found and everybody and their mother said you'd never get behind the doors, I yeah. mean, you've come up with phenomenal tips. And one of them is just being a really nice guy, which you are. You know, you make a good point there. Instead of going out trying to find a car, go out and try to find a friend. And, yes. you know, like I, I was a salesman for a lot of my life. And, you know, you have to sell yourself before you can sell a product. And, you know, if you want to buy a car in somebody's backyard, it makes it a lot easier if you're a friend. Without a shot. You know, it's like I buy my own airtime on radio and all my advertisers. I go to their business every Friday. I start at 7 in the morning and I don't finish till 7 at night. I never, ever ask for a check to be mailed. I physically go in, and we chat, we talk, and because I get a different car to drive, they want to see what I'm driving, and I built, and I haven't lost a client yet, and it's because we're friends first and business partners second. Yep, yep, I dig it. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it doesn't hurt to have a, what, a 39 Ford Woody to break (laughs) break the ice. That's my icebreaker. That's my I, my welcome wagon. That that is how I get into more conversations. I mean, you know, I don't like you said. I don't go out and try to buy these vehicles. I just go out and try to find them and document them and and you know learn about them, uh, how they came to own it, why they own it, how long they've had it, how long they'll keep it, what they plan to do with it. Um, but 
so many times, if if I pulled into a driveway of a, of a guy that was potentially crabby, it might have a Camaro in the carport, and, and you know he gets approached about it all the time. If I pulled in his driveway with a, a jacked-up black pickup truck, brand-new, shiny, I'm really not a car guy. I'm really a poser. But if I pull in a in a 80-year-old Woody, he wants to suddenly look at my car as much as I want to look at his. And before you know it, like you've got another friend. Well, and, uh, and what people don't realize is, yeah, it's a 39 Ford Woody that Tom bought when he was in high school. So it's yeah. not like he went out and spent eighty to 150000 for a Woody to show off and use as a tool. You've had that hot rod your whole life. Yep, and I, I paid 300 bucks for it. Uh, <laughs> although I do have... Uh, 130 plus thousand into the rebuilding of it because it's, it's been rebuilt several times and finally I just said you know like all right I'm pulling the flathead out I'm I'm gonna have a car that I can finally drive across the United States and and, and live the surf and safari I always dreamed of so you know I put an LS drivetrain in there with power disc brakes and air conditioning all the good stuff but it I, looks original and I would drive that car across the United States in a drop of a hat. And when's the last time you went surfing? Huh. Well, you know, this is pretty cool. My son, ah, we were going to Major League Baseball stadiums up and down the East Coast, and we go into Florida, see the Marlins play, and we go to Ron John's Surf Shop in Cocoa Beach, and we're looking around for T-shirts and decals and stuff, and they rent surfboards. I said, like, the water's right there, right? Yeah. So we walked out. We rented two surfboards. And my son was probably eight. And, you know, I'm telling him how you paddle, and then you get enough speed to stand up. And so I, I see a wave, and paddle, 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 and I jump up, and I'm surfing. Holy crap, I haven't surfed in 30 years. And I look over, and my son is on the same wave. He's standing up, and I'm saying, there, there's something going on here. This is probably my last wave, and that's his first wave, isn't that? And it was the same wave. Wow. Talk about making history, especially, you know, with your son, which is is, is priceless. And, and it sounds to me, has he got the, the the car collector bug as well? Oh, yeah. He's 30 years old. Yeah. He's 30 years old. He's he's restoring a uh, 67 Lotus Salon. He has an 85 Porsche Carrera. He has a third-gen RX-7 Mazda with the twin turbos. He races a, a 64 Mini Cooper. And I'm, uh, oh, and he just bought a Pantera. I found a barn find Pantera. That holy crap, it's a barn find Pantera. But I don't need it. He said. He said, Dad, I love Pantera. So now he he's he's got that car, man. So yes, uh, the apple didn't fall. I I can't say the apple didn't fall far from the tree. The wrench didn't fall too too far off the uh, tool bench. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and you say it all the time. You you've been really totally blessed. I mean, oh, yeah. to, to, especially to have Haggerty. And by the way, if you have a classic car, folks, get it out of the other insurance companies. Go straight to Haggerty. They're car guys and car girls. They'll take care of your classic. They won't mess around with you. You'll get, I mean, if anything was, heaven forbid, ever to happen for it, they will take care of you. And I've, I've known Miguel McKeel for, I mean, God, I can't even remember. I used to interview him all the time, but now he's too high up the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell him I said that when you see him. I will. So, you know, I talk about they'll cover it. 
I took my Cobra, a real AC Cobra, to Alaska a number of years ago. Four of us decided, you know what, there's never been a Cobra in Alaska. Let's do it. So we, we toured around the state 2,000 miles. And uh, I had the top up on my car when I went to bed at, at the hotel one night uh, and mistakenly left Fig Newtons in, behind the, the seat and woke up the next morning and the roof was ripped off, three very small dents in the car, muddy footprints all over the seats and, and, the, and the back deck. Uh, but um, thankfully, he didn't rip the doors off. And, uh, you know, Haggerty wrote a check like, boom, here you go. There you go. Like, how much is the top? Okay. And we'll, how much, is that it? Yep. Boom. Done. I know. It's it's just an absolutely amazing amazing company, and something else out of all the interviews you and I have done, I have never been made aware of your YouTube page. Oh yeah, that's uh, eight years I'm going on that now. The Barn Fine Hunter. Barn Fine Hunter, folks, just go to YouTube, plug that in. Make sure you got popcorn and a Coke and just sit back because you're not going to do anything for a long time watching these. It's you know, just the like- beauty of YouTube is that, you know, like you don't have to wait for a program to come on. If if you can't sleep at 2 in the morning, you just put on Barnfriend Hunter, and I promise you I'll put you to sleep in no time at all. I used to tell people if you, if you can't sleep, get your owner's manual out and start reading it. Jeez. <laughs> You know, you you ought to think about doing museums because, you know, you and I talked about Fountainhead in Alaska. Wouldn't that be a good segment to go around and look for obscure automotive museums that people don't know about? Because, you know, most museums really can't, you know, publicize and advertise their museums because of, you know, they just don't have the money. Yep. Well, you know, I've I've thought about, I thought about a book would be a cool book, uh, Car guys, travel guys, and yeah. and just pick all the spots in the United States: museums, restoration shops, great junkyards, yeah. uh, automotive theme bars and restaurants, and right. you know just you know like okay. So if you're going to Arkansas, here's everything a car guy could do in Arkansas. You know that kind right. of thing. right. Yeah, we had a, I had a buddy of mine just opened up a place called Smokey and the Brisket. And it's full of nothing but car memorabilia. Another one is STP Bar and Grill, and it doesn't stand for the oil. He's got motorcycle wheels for tabletops. There's a tailgate from a Ford for the ladies' room, and a tailgate with a Chevy, every license plate. So, and I, when I was in Alaska, because I, I finished reading your book on the plane, there was the first thing that popped into my head is, oh my God. And I know Haggerty would be all over that, but no, I, I think you're on the right track. A book would be great, but I really think you know doing the videos because then you can. I mean, a book won't do Fountainhead justice. It, it just won't. You got to physically be there or see the video, right? Oh yeah, and 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 I want to remind your listeners that. You know, Alaska, you think everybody up there is like into huskies and you know and snowstorms, but I have to tell you, I've been there. And, I'm, I'm going to go up again soon. Uh, this will be my seventh trip. There are such, there is such enthusiasm for cars. You have no idea. And you know, up in Fairbanks, there's something going on like every night, a cruise in or something. Yeah. Because they only have four months to do everything they're going to do, and then then the cold, you know, snap starts and they put away their cars again. But I met so many collectors, muscle car guys, guys that yeah. restore Broncos and. 
they do racing on, on frozen lakes. It just there's so much going on. It's um, and see, you got the same bug I got because when I got back to Alaska, I wasn't even back three days, and I told my wife, I go, I don't know what it is, but I need to go back. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. I don't know what it is. I need to go back. I mean, yeah. it's it's part of part of the country is not duplicated anywhere else in the United States, and I really think everybody needs to do it. Hey, if people want to buy your book, what's the easiest way to do it? Well, there's three ways. One is you can buy it from Amazon. Right. Easy. The second is to buy it from Motorbooks. Easy. Easy. But my preference is go to an independent bookstore in your town and order the book. And, you know, it might take a week. That's okay. The world's not going to end. Take a week and, and, and do a really good service because these these little stores are surviving in spite of the Amazons of the world. Yeah. Now, when I was Alaska, I bought, because I finished your book, and I wanted to read something flying back to San Diego, so I bought a book, and it's, uh, and it's stories of women that fished out of uh, Kodiak on the crab boats. Holy mm. Mackerel, these girls are freaking crazy. Yes. <laughs> I, hey, uh, I want to uh, tell your listeners that if they want to know about, know about my latest adventure, 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 which I'm on right now, they can they can uh, look up on Instagram the Barn Fine Hunter and, and and learn about the trip that I'm making right now from Key West, Florida to Dead Horse, Alaska on two lane roads the whole way. Oh my God, man! And you're doing it in a Ford Bronco, right? With an Airstream trailer. That's the way to pull. All right, buddy. Hey, it's always good talking to you. And if you ever come to San Diego and don't let me know, I will hunt you down. I get it. Thank you, Dave. All right, buddy. You take care. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by San Diego Gear and Axle. Anything in your undercarriage that needs to be addressed, Steve is the man. Front wheel, all wheel, rear wheel, doesn't make any difference. Truck, buggy, whatever. Sports car, Steve is an expert when it comes to undercarriage work. Go to sdgearaxle.com and check him out. Well, you know, Ted Ryan, who is the Archives and Heritage brand manager for Ford, teased us a while back that Ford was going to open up their um, their what they call the Ford Heritage Vault. Well, they have. Take a listen. Well, I got my good buddy Ted Ryan on the line, and you know he was teasing us about the Ford Heritage Vault being unlocked after a 100 year of history. Well, guess what? I think they unlocked it. We've got Ted Ryan on the line. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. We're so excited that uh, we're uh, presenting Ford's first online digital library uh, for our fans, enthusiasts, and, and Ford friends around the world. Uh, when we launch, uh, as we launch, we have 5,000 uh, assets already. We have a curated image library of 2,500 images, uh, nearly every single Ford and Lincoln an Edsel vehicle in every style and every year from 1903 until 2003. You, you notice I didn't say Mercury. We'll get Mercury in by the end of the year. Uh, but right. then even more, even more interestingly, every brochure in our collection 
uh, is going in the Ford Heritage Vault. Right now, we've scanned and digitized and, and made accessible and machine-readable more than 2,500. So if you want to look up a 1908 Model T, it's in there. If you want a 56 Mark II, it's in there. My favorite is a 61 Continental because it has the – it opens from the middle just like the coach doors on the 61 Continental. And then – Every single Mustang brochure, except for two that we don't have in our collection, but believe me, I'm scanning eBay even as we speak, looking to, to, to acquire them, and then we can get those scanned in there. And our goal is just to make the entirety of Ford Motor Company vehicle history available for our fans around the world. You know what? Send me an email, because our uh, San Diego Automotive Museum's got one of the largest uh, uh, libraries, and and they're doing the same thing. They're starting to scan everything in. Let me take a look. I'll talk to Lenny and see uh, see if uh, just send me what you're looking for. Let me see if we can find it. Yeah, I'd love to. And that's that's part of what we 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 have partnered with the Henry Ford too, so that we're getting some of the missing ones from them. Uh, some of the more esoteric ones, the the accessory brochures are a little bit tougher to come by. Uh, and then some of it's just time-consuming, and we wanted to do this the right way, too. So uh, people who are vision-impaired or hearing-impaired and, and can't experience the web the same way, uh, we've made great effort to make these brochures and these photographs uh, accessible. So they're machine-readable, and this just takes some time. Uh, we've got more than 5,000 brochures in our collection. This is just the first 2,500. Uh, and that, to me, is the most exciting thing, is that this is just the opening. This is just the beginning. Um, we're going to launch Mercury later this year. Uh, I can't wait to launch our materials related to Ford and the arsenal of democracy and the military. Uh, I can't wait. If anybody was a fan of the Ford Times magazine, which at one point in time was the second largest circulation magazine behind Reader's Digest, we're going to put the entire uh, breadth of uh, four times online, hopefully by the end of this year. So we're, we're at five, almost 6,000 assets now, and, and hopefully this time next year we'll be at 25 to 26,000 items as, as we continue to pump it full of, of material for our friends. And you're constantly, constantly collecting material because, I mean, there's so much that was printed between 1903 and, 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 and even today uh, you know, and you never know what somebody's got, you know, in their in their collection or on their shelf. I think I've got an actually hard, small. It's a small hard, hardbound Ford Model T maintenance book. <laughs> that, that those are the type of things that we're looking to do. The the things to make the material available. That if you're a gearhead, you're going to love it. But even if you're a high school kid riding a paper on a Mustang. And you want a beauty shot of a Mustang, then you can. And I don't think I said the, the, the magic words. Everything is free and everything is downloadable. Uh, we, this is a genuine effort to truly share our collection with the rest of the world in a meaningful way. Well, if we don't, then it'll just all go away. So hats off to Ford, you know, for trying to, you know, not trying to, but saving all of this material. Uh, for, for future generations, because people, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road are going to look at what you'll have on the website, and I'm telling you, it'll blow them away. I was talking to the, uh, and he didn't even know this, but I was talking to the, the head guy at the museum you and I were talking about, 
And I says, you know, history does repeat itself. He goes, what do you mean? So we walked over to a model, a Ford Model T, and I said, do you know what's underneath that box on the dash? He goes, no, what? So I lifted off the box. I asked if I could. He said, sure. I said, those are individual coils for each spark plug under the hood. I said, they use that technology today. Yep, that's the Fountainhead Museum. I finally remember the, the Fountainhead ah. Museum in Fairbanks, Alaska, one of the best car museums in the world, uh, which which we both have visited within the, the last year of each other. So it's an amazing museum. It It's worth the price to go up there. I am serious. And it, it's just, uh, you know, they've got their little restoration shops. Not very big, but it's all glassed, so you can watch, see the guys and the girls working at a Model T uh, in there they were working on. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It, I will go back again for that. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I do want to tell everybody, well, A, the URL is FordHeritageVault.com. If you search under Google, you can just search that. If you type it in by hand, you got to do the whole HTTPS business first, uh, HTTPS uh, forward slash, forward slash. But uh, we cannot put any materials in there that are not rights-free. So you won't see any TV ads. You won't see any ads that feature celebrities. We just we don't have the rights to repurpose those. So all of the car photos, all the photos that we're putting in there uh, are beauty shots of cars, and then the publications are things that we know that, that the rights uh, don't matter. And we did that because, just like I said, we want everything to be downloadable and everything to be free. Didn't want to tease somebody by showing them a, a, a great ad from 1977, but you can't do anything but look at it. So... Uh, every, the, the, you won't see material that have a, a whole lot of people on them outside of the brochures. Right, and, and a lot of people don't realize a lot of those brochures were hand-painted. They were some of the artwork, but, and then when we when the Ford Times gets in there, uh, but once again, prior to 1974, Ford owned the rights to all the Ford Times, so we can put those in there. But uh, significant artists uh, did work for Ford and Ford Times, including Norman Rockwell around the, the 50th anniversary. There, there's some beautiful, beautiful materials in, in the Ford Times. I'll say it again. You have got the best job ever. I am telling you. If you love history of, of Ford, you have got the best job. Well, and days like today make it even more special because I know that we're making material available. We yeah. get the, uh, 1,100 requests a year from media, students, researchers, et cetera. And a couple of years ago, I looked at the staff and I said, why don't we make as much available online that we can, you know, not to free up our own time, but just to make it easier for people to get access. And that's that's what the whole goal of this is to open up access to modernize the Ford archives and to make them available for anybody that wants them, whether it's a student, a researcher, uh, or media, or just somebody who wants to uh, print out a cool picture of a uh, Shelby GT500 and, and put it on their wall. Uh, you can do any of those things now. That is so fantastic. Well, I tell you what, man, it, it's it, I'm so glad that you and Henry Ford were hoarders and never threw anything away. <laughs> Well, we're we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, and and the the big one that I'm hoping for next year are the styling eggs, so that we can show people cars that weren't, because that's one of my favorite. I was just before we came on, 
uh, I was I was looking through the styling day collection for the 1956 concept vehicles, and that type of content is just you can't get it anywhere in the world because I've got the only negatives, and they're in my archives. But I just scanned a bunch. Now I've just got to make them accessible, and then get them in the Ford Heritage Vault next year. All right. Well, hey Ted, gonna be talking to you down the road. I got a sneaky feeling. And uh, I can't wait to get online and have some fun. Well, I tell you, if you're a car guy or a car girl, folks, you know you've got it. You've got to check this out. It's 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 amazing. The Heritage Vault, man. All right, buddy. I'll let you go. Get back to uh, searching for brochures. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care. All right, folks. Welcome back. You are listening to. Yak Radio with Dave Stahl on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. This segment is brought to you by John's Automotive Import Repair, 7447 University Avenue, where he does a phenomenal job. AAA, NAP Auto Care, ASC certified. Nobody does it better. Two locations. Go to johnsandiegoautorepair.com. Well, since I'm kind of on the, uh, uh, the uh, Tom Carter wagon, I dug back into the archives, and wouldn't you know it, I found another one. And so I want you to take a listen to it. It's from November uh, 16th, or November 13th, 2016. Take a listen. Okay, folks. Hey, I got Tom Cotter on the line. Yes, I do. He just uh, was nice enough to send me his Route 66 book, which, gosh, I just finished the the Cuban car culture book. I know center sit down and relax. And I got my bags packed, and now I'm on Route 66. How you doing, Tom? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dave? Gosh, I hope you're resting because I'm I'm ready for a little bit of a rest. But Route 66, the whole route, and how many cars? I mean, oh no, don't don't tell the number. I want people to read the book. But the number of cars that you looked at and almost touched is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, and all these cars were either on or near Route 66, or we found out about them while on Route 66 and maybe drove a few miles off course because we heard about them as we were getting you know, gasoline or lunch or something like that. Somebody uh-huh. come up to us and look at the Woody and tell us about some cars they knew about. So, you know, it was it was all on the route, the old mother road. It was pretty darn cool. Yeah. And, and it had to just, I mean... Because, you know, I mean, you only went down one freeway, and look at all the cars you've seen. Does that give you hope that there are more cars in more areas all across oh, yeah. the United States? Yeah. We went to uh, Tucumcari, New Mexico, and, you know, looked at this guy's cars. And I said, I can't believe how many cars are on Route 66, you know. Cause he was right on Route 66. He had, like, this little yard of cars. He said, you should go 90 miles north of here. You would not believe it. Yeah. So, you know, what we saw apparently is just the tip of the iceberg to the old cars in a place like New Mexico where they're in amazing shape. Yeah. You know, well off the beaten path. We were on the beaten path. Well, if you go well off the beaten path, mm-hmm. there's a ton more. Isn't that just amazing? So, I mean, okay, so I got, <laughs> I got to ask you, did you buy the truck? I didn't. I tried, and it was sold. But by, by the time I got home, oh. I thought about it. What is that old saying? Uh, I what? called, and he said, "Sorry, I just sold it." <sighs> the, the car that I would like to have purchased, 
uh, and I'd still buy it if the guy said it changed his mind. Uh, it, it was a 1950 Nash near the end of the book, a two-door yeah. Nash. So I just, you know, I don't know what it was, but I just, I saw this patinaed paint job, and I just thought, wouldn't that be bitching to have a, a late model, you know, an LS1 drivetrain yeah. in there? And, but keep the outside original the way it is, yeah. and, and just put this whole cool... You know, drive train underneath subframe underneath there, yeah. new chassis, new interior and stuff. And I would buy it right now, but he's he's hanging he's on. Pretty to dead it. set against selling it. And who would have thought? Because when those cars back in the day, they were not that popular nor attractive. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, well, maybe now, maybe it's it's because they were that yes. not very attractive, popular. Because you know, we've seen so many '55 Chevys, '57 uh, Chevys, and we've uh, seen so uh, many of uh, '63 Fords. We see them over and over and over. But you see a car like this, wow, why didn't we pay more attention to that thing 30 years ago? And just think what we could have done if we would have hot-rodded it. Oh, yeah. But we didn't even think about hot-rodding it. I think maybe because it was your grandma's car or your parents' car or something. But but you look at it now, the Studebaker, you know, with the bullet nose. You didn't know whether it was coming or going. I mean, (laughs) back in the day, it was crazy. All right. So getting back to to the route, I mean... You actually, there are sections that you can actually drive, but it sounded to me like they weren't really roadable. I mean, not something that you would want to drive your car on, but you could if you wanted to. Well, it, it changes so many times. The whole character of the road changes. We started on on the shores of Lake Michigan in Chicago on a Sunday morning and started to head south and west. And, you know, through Illinois and Missouri, the first two states, you're on Route 66 all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Kansas, and there's only 13 miles of Route 66 that runs through Kansas. So you just clip off the little section. Oh, I got but you. Then when you get Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, uh, it, you go, you're go you back on and off and on and off and off. Because I-40 went through and basically put Route 66 out of business. So some towns have managed to survive and thrive mm-hmm. by being tourist attractions. Sure. And then sometimes you just pull through and there's just nothing left. They're just everything's boarded up. But we we had a really good route book that tells you if you drive in Route 66, it's a mile by mile uh, you know, directory on what's coming up, what you know, cool old hotel or restaurant. By the way, feel like, free I, feel free to give the guy's name because I mean, hey, if it makes your trip more fun and more enjoyable, you I have no problem. <laughs> Go ahead, mention his name. Well, I don't even have it here. Jeez, I don't yeah, and I can't remember the name of it either. I thought, well, you're, I know Tom. This, this, is, this is a year ago, man. You're really yeah. pushing me. I go, Tom's real smart. He'll remember this guy's name. That's, uh, uh, I so I threw you under the bus. But, hey, I'll look it anyway, up. I'll look it up. Uh, the, the, um, so, some, you know, it gives you a mile-by-mile directory. And you can just go Google Route 66 route book or something. Sure, sure. And, sure. you know, it gives you this directory where the Art Deco gas stations are and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so pretty much Arizona, there's not much Route 66 left in Arizona. You're, you're better off driving I-40 because the sections of Route 66 that are remaining are so bumpy. Yeah. And I took my poor Woody wagon down there, and, like, the wood body just loosened up. You know, oh. I had to go the next day with a screwdriver and a wrench and tighten all the bolts on the body. Because wow. it was just shaking. Away. But, you know, New Mexico was really good. But it's amazing. You know, you're, on, you're in Chicago. You're in a, one of the biggest cities in the world. And several days later, we're in the desert, and you could you, you didn't see a house or a building for an hour. 
Iraq. It was, it was, it's a desert. It, it, what an amazing road. Yeah. And imagine what people, dr- I mean, back in the day. Uh, I was joking. I, I, I had the, uh, the the honor to to drive a lot of the vehicles out of the the uh, the Dodge Brothers private museum. You know, race cars, army trucks. Well, the one vehicle they had was their very first 1918 four door, you know, touring car. Uh, we couldn't drive it, but he, but we all got to climb in it. And then he was going to take us for a ride around the property. And I looked at him and I says, "Okay." San Diego, here we come. And he looked at me and says, what are you, crazy? I go, not really, because somebody went from here to San Diego in this yeah, car. I'll yeah. bet you. And and I don't think people really realize it. And this was a curator of the museum. And, and you'd think I told him to jump off a bridge. But the things that we did back in those days, and you got to at least, I mean, you were in a 40 Ford, but the suspension was a little bit nicer than a real stock 40 Ford. But still, it was a 40 Ford. It shook it to apart just probably like it did back then too right that's amazing one, we, one one area that was something you, know, you drive down this road and you wonder like you know the, the buses that brought people from the east coast to the west coast yeah. to start new lives you think about you know, woody guthrie riding a, a, you know, in a bus and yeah. composing you know this land is your land and we've got to oh i guess it was albuquerque somewhere in new mexico and Maybe two can carry again. But we talked to uh, this Indian that uh, collects cars, and he told us, man, out in the reservations, he was Navajo, out in the reservations, there's lots of old cars. And he said, you know, when he he was a kid, he remembers it was a Duesenberg and sitting in a guy's yard because, you know, there was no other route. There was no highway. That was the main highway. So if a rich person's car broke down, uh, you know, they they would just sell it for whoever did get for it and hop on a bus and go the rest of the way. And, and the Indians were buying these cars wow. for pennies on a dollar. And so there's some of them are still out there. Wow. It, all, it almost makes you feel like I want to do a reservation bar. I was just you got to quit talking to me. That's your other problem, too. Every time you talk to me, we come up with another idea. But I got to tell you, dude, I was reading the book. I read when you got into the buses, I went, oh. Oh no, he's off again. Yeah, I know. You know, it was funny though. I I went. I did Route 66, November 1st, 2015. So just I'm a couple of weeks shy of a year before we started, and I felt like I was walking back into the 50s. You know, living this road for two weeks. But in July, just several months before that, I was in Cuba, and I also <laughs> felt that I was back in the 50s. It was really something to step back into these two countries that kind of were locked in in a time capsule 50 or 60 years ago. Right. Uh, Cuba's a little bit harder to get to. Anybody can go to Route 66. Sure. Cuba's going to change rapidly. Yeah. Route 66 is not going to change very rapidly. It's yeah. going to kind of stay the same probably forever. And, and I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but I'm going to tell you, folks, it's just like packing your bags and going to Cuba. It's like packing your bags and getting in the 40 Ford and heading down the route. I'm telling you, that's how well this guy writes. I'm I'm not saying that to blow smoke, but I'm just telling it factual as can be. I totally enjoy everything you've written. And then when you told me you have all these other books I haven't even read, whew, but man. I'm on 16 now, man. I know, dude. Keep it up. Keep, the bus has got to be next. There's got to be a tractor book in there someplace. I know you're into tractors. I mean, there's got I mean, 
We could go on and on and on. But, hey, I'm going to let you go. It's late. And thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your day because I know my listeners absolutely love it. Every time I mention you or your route or any of your books, they all get all excited that you're coming on. So, Well, the Route 66 Barn Find Road Trip. That's it, Route and, 66. You, know, you go to Amazon, go to motorbooks.com, whatever method they want. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, Christmas is coming up. I think it's a oh, great holiday gift. Absolutely. I, I couldn't I couldn't say it any better. And like I said, and if you do decide to go to Motor Books, and when you check out, just put uh, Stall 11, that's S-T-A-L-L 11, it'll kick you a 25% discount. And that's mine and Tom's Christmas present to you. Tom, <laughs> thanks a million, man, and I'll talk to you down the road. All right, Dave, thank you. All right, take care. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.